0: Welcome, 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 welcome back, beautiful humans. We have a, our third return guest today, Sarah Sukumarin of Lilith. Yes. Did I say that right or did I fuck it yeah. up? What? Sukumarin. Oh, I fucked it up. All right, terrible intro, this might get <laughs> But we have our third repeat guest on episode 83 today of An Untold Narrative. Uh, I wanted to bring Sarah back for a few reasons. One, we had her on episode 46, so people can go back and listen to that, but that was when she originally launched Lilith, so it was during launch year, and in that past year and a half, a lot has changed, a lot has grown, Uh, hurdles have been encountered, Uh, research has been done, we figured out a lot of things. Uh, I've received recently her latest pair of sneakers and can testify that they are amazing, and Uh, we just figured we'd bring her back on. It's Women's International Month, so we've got a lot to talk about. So, Sarah, how are you doing?
1: Doing well. Thank you for having me back. Excited to chat with you.
0: Yeah, Of course. So what if there was, like, one thing you can pinpoint, looking back on, like, launch year 2021 to to today, March, I almost said February, March of 2023, so we got a a year and a half. Mm -hmm. What's one thing that stood out to you as, like, Holy shit. I can't believe I'm still here. Like, Oh man, this is like the biggest learning that I've ever didn't know was going to happen.
1: So it's actually, I think I'm on like three years since I'm, I've quit my job. I think right. it was like March 2nd was my last day. So that's wild that that's, you know, still going strong, still, um, going. still going, but I think the wildest thing is like just still being bootstrapped. Um, that's the other thing. Just still not having taken outside investment, just a couple of angel checks um completely moved production out of China I think when we last spoke production was just arriving from China in 21 launched November 21 which was amazing did a whole rollout all of 22 and then in 22 was also just trying to move out of China because of all the COVID issues um I think we probably discussed this in private but like In China, when you have a COVID case, they completely shut down their factories. There's no skeleton team that's going to run your production for you. So you really can't operate a business. You're in standstill mode. Um, So I quickly made the decision to start just um, talking to new factories globally. So it wasn't just like in Asia. It was Europe, um, looking at South America possibly, and just trying to find a redundancy plan to keep going because China just really didn't give us that level of confidence that they can continue production. So made the decision to move to Portugal, which was exciting. Um, And that's where our latest colors were produced.
0: Yeah. And like, so the self-funding aspect it has been three years, right? Like that's to me stands out. I think that's, that's Mm -hmm. banana land, right? Like how like granular do you get when you look at your month to month, like you live, you live in Queens, like New York, like it's obviously Mm -hmm. not the cheapest place to live. Like, How granular do you get, do you have like a, a a list of your like monthly expenses and you're just like, okay, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. I got like X number of months left. Or like when you look at a roadmap, like talk through a little bit of that.
1: I do try to operate like, like how a tech startup would right? So I have my burn monthly burn. I understand how much cash I have left. Um, how much money is coming in from just sales, um, collecting angel investment checks, for example, um, so, I, I do keep track of everything. And I think for the, I think I would say the first two years, I was so strict about budgeting. Like, I was like, can't spend a dime, even when there was money in the bank. I was just incredibly um, strict about it because you just don't know, especially with COVID around the corner, VCs, you know, I was looking at VCs possibly to fund this. Um, they had completely retracted. Then you had last summer, the announcement of the recession. So like year after year, it was one thing after the other. So like, I was just like, you gotta be super strict with cash cashflow. Um, so that's always top of mind. I think when you're building a company from the ground up and I think it was only probably like last summer that I was like, okay, like you can actually go out. You can actually enjoy a dinner with friends. Like you can have that coffee. Like I was just very mindful of like where spend went. Um, I think originally I had accounted for like two years runway when I had quit my job. I think I had told you that. Um, but then just like stretched it out, obviously with like mm-hmm. down sales, um, and some of the angel checks. So still going. Food was dropped.
0: there like a moment like last summer where you're just like, no, I can enjoy life again. Like what, what, what was the trigger point of like, oh, I've survived this long, like being super strict. Like maybe now it's time to enjoy a little bit or like, what was like, like the thought process behind like, okay, no, I should, I should go enjoy a couple dinners.
1: Yeah, I. I don't know what it was. I think it was just like, just like friends also. Like, I think we were, as a society, we getting more comfortable going out, right? Like I think for two years, people were truly like locked in being hermits, rightly so. I am definitely someone who was just like paranoid about that stuff, like, so I'm indoors. Um, but then I think getting the booster shots definitely helped being like, okay, it's okay to be outside. You can, you know, all of the dining out situations that were created in New York were, were helpful. Um, and then you just get, like, you're going crazy. You're going stir crazy. Like, you're running your business. You're losing your shit just doing that. Then you have all that COVID just insularness. Um, So I think just going out, going for a walk, grabbing coffee with a friend just made sense. Otherwise, I, I don't think I would have just mentally survived. So <laughs> it was just a culmination of everything.
0: Yeah, no, I guess. So do you, do you think, like, that period of, like, COVID because it limited, like, your expenses and from one perspective, like, actually helped your business?
1: I, I think so. Honestly, I always say that because, like, all of 2020, when I quit, was indoors. Like, I don't think I went outside. Maybe we did, like, food deliveries, but um, I was just building. Like, I had allocated a budget for, like, footwear development and then the marketing budget, like, to come up with branding. So, I, was, I had a very strict, like, if you see my Excel sheet, it's, like, color-coded. It's insane. So like, <laughs> I knew how much money was coming in and out every month
0: that's that's awesome so like what what um today now that you go out a little bit like what's what one thing you like to splurge on like i mean because it's it's crazy working for not only being a, a startup right but like you're the founder you're the ceo you're the it department you're the you're the you're, you're <laughs> everything so like what's one thing you really enjoy for yourself that you like do take time and and put money towards
1: i think for the longest time i wasn't getting my nails done this sounds so ridiculous <laughs> I like i like You know, when I was employed and working full-time at a job, I would always get, like, my facials every six months, my hair done, like, my nails done. And that, like, went out the window with, one, with COVID, but, two, just starting a business. I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like, I need to be just, like, on my shit, and I don't have those, you know, just pleasures of, like, sitting down and relaxing and getting your nails done. I think just reincorporating that just helps from a mindfulness perspective because you, like, you tune out. You're in another world. I'm listening to my music. So i would say that has been helpful that's the one thing i kind of incorporated back like i'm still not doing the facials i kind of just do my own self-care rituals at home but um the nails are back
0: <laughs> i love i love that i think that's super important right like that's like you know everybody's got their their own little thing whether it's shopping or, or doing mm-hmm. your nails and uh it, it is important because you know we work we work from home like you and i like all the time like we're not surrounded by massive teams or people and like we're on video so like spending time to talk to other people is like those moments are super one rare but then also wildly valuable right um is there do you have like go-to people that like you you communicate with like a best friends group or like a mentorship group or like anything that like helps you on your business like i know you work with two amazing designers uh down yep. in Colombia, like who probably super help like they're they're amazing so um talk through like your week by week i guess
1: so i would say like i'll walk through like last year because I, I feel like there was a little more like stability and um a regular cadence around there so yeah sarah and valeria are both based in medellin are our um footwear designers and so would have a weekly meeting with them and even just like just touch bases by WhatsApp, like we just constantly communicate, talk revisions, talk iterations, they'll send me new tech packs. Um, So I would say that was probably the most regular communication. And then since COVID kicked off, I had regular meetings with other women founders, not in the footwear space at all, but building their own platforms, whether it's in the childcare space, someone's building a a streaming platform for the global South. Um, We just have regular meetings, just touching base as founders, like what are our struggles? What can we help each other with? You know, Is there an investor that we can then um pass off to someone else um so we were quite regular i would say like the first two years like 2020 to 22 a few people dropped off from that and then um then it became like a once a month situation and then i had a group recently evolved where we're trying to focus on writing like Mm. just being more vulnerable i think i had spoken to you about that like getting on substack and, and possibly just just writing and and talking about the struggles of you know running your own startup or being um like a lot of founders I know, for example, are partnered, right? They're married, they have um, spouses who can actually provide some sort of support. But then there's a few of us who like don't have that, right? Like it's really like a super solo founder situation. Um, So exploring that through writing, um, we kind of gotten, I've been kind of slacking on that front, but um, trying to get that off the ground. So I would say like, the support systems are there and and having that regular communication is super key um and then I have a great advisor Eric who always checks in on me helps me with the financial projections um always sending me like alternate suppliers alternate manufacturing facilities um so he's been great so yeah i just i just think having people to talk to on a regular basis when you're like at home all the time is super key so still using zoom even though i'm zoom fatigued but
0: <laughs> still still happening so- It's so funny. Yeah. So you did, you did reach out offline about the, the writing aspect. And for Mm -hmm. those who've been following me, I actually leaned into have been leaning into writing over the past, let's call it four or five months now. Yep. Every Friday, I, or during the week I write it, but like do a weekly blog. And I'm actually thinking about transitioning, not only doing the blog, but doing a vlog to match the blog and where I record certain aspects of my week that like resonate with that. Mm -hmm. Because to your point, I'm exactly the same. I'm isolated. I'm by myself. And so yep. like, if I don't talk to myself, right. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm going stir crazy. Like, I mean, I, yeah, we have social media, we have our best friends we have, but like at the end of the day, 98% of the day is by yourself.
1: And I think it's a great way to document the process. I I'm guilty of that. I always get called out for not doing much of it. Um, One thing we did was those zoom calls. We actually record it. And re- actually last week I was actually going back to like my zoom archives where they, where all the files get backed up and I was listening to it I'm like holy shit like we recorded a lot of content and it's just us like riffing talking venting shooting the shit for hours um but it's nice to go back and see like how we've evolved and like literally see like what we were trying to build to see us in execution with products in the market product that's live um so that's beautiful to see so I think like yeah the vlog aspect would be nice because like I don't know. I've kind of moved towards long form content. I think that's something that I think people are coming back towards and why I look forward to like your Friday post. Um, Cause I feel like I'm just like doom scrolling all day. Right. Like on TikTok, yeah. Instagram, which is
0: exhausting.
1: It's exhausting. <laughs> it's, and before you know it, I've spent two hours on TikTok watching like the same audio repeat. Yep. on loop. So I think like taking that time off where you like you sit down with a cup of coffee and you're reading, someone's blog post that they put together like for me that's like very meditative and i and i try to catch up on a few people's um substacks that way
0: yeah and like we look forward to reading the lilith founders yeah i uh
1: i've been slacking so i had two (laughs) posts that i had said like oh i'm gonna do this and then i just haven't done it like in my head i write the blog post and I just never actually like type it out like that's well, what
0: well, this is a this is a this is like one of the themes that I just I've been trying to figure out in humans in general across the board this idea of everybody has amazing ideas in their lives they have all everybody's creative in the idea sense we we, we talk to ourselves we're like oh I wish I could do this or I want to do this and then nobody ever executes right. it's like the greatest problem I can't personally like figure out what what is it with you that's stopping you from idea to execution you've already I know what it is.
1: <laughs> I know what it is I think it's the the vulnerability aspect it's like I don't want to show people how I'm feeling <laughs> that's what it is like I know what it is it's like the point of the whole exercise was that I become more vulnerable because I was like okay going I think I had made an Instagram post about like being more vulnerable sharing more on the personal side being more gentle with myself and I just know that like, exposing myself because i do see like even my when i post on ig stories i think i spoke to you a bit about this like all of a sudden last year after um a a social media article or whatever it was like i had all these followers who i don't know follow me and i became very like holy shit who are these people why do they want to see my content like i had this beautiful like 700 following i knew who these people were and all of a sudden i had all these strangers looking at my content And so for me, it was like, how can I be vulnerable? Like, do I want all of these people glimpsing into like super personal shit? And that's the point of the Substack. It is to explore that very deep, like things that people don't talk about, like relationships and dating, all the things you do as a founder, um, all the stresses. But to me, it's like, that's why I haven't made the jump because I'm just like, "Mm, am I ready yet? Like, I don't know.
0: So, yes, that probably is a very big uh rationale for a lot of people outside of just you and i the reason why i guess i've become like slowly been able to chip away at that and like just don't care now like and people have been like dave it seems like you just don't give a fuck about other what other people say is because there's one one quote that like and i know people give me shit because i i suck gary vee's dick all the time yeah that's on that's that's recorded but like he said one quote that really stuck with me he goes people are going to judge you whether you push it out or you don't push it out. Right. And so either way they're judging you. So why don't you just be yourself and just put it out? And I was like, yeah, eh, that makes sense.
1: No, it, it and it makes complete sense. I think for me, it's like when I don't care, I'm just like, well, I don't need to put anything out. Like, cause I don't care mm-hmm. what you think. And like, it's, that's always how, I'm, how I've moved. If you saw my Instagram previous to when I started, like I didn't really post a lot. Like I literally stopped posting in 2018 on my feed. So I'm slowly starting to get back into the cadence of doing it. Um, it's just like, I think- the level of vulnerability that I'm trying to share, it's like pretty deep. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to
0: share Don't you like the reward of being vulnerable and putting shit out is that you can inspire so many amazing people to do and take that leap. Right. Like, especially with what you're building with Lilith, like you tailor your content, your sneakers, your product, your storytelling to females. Yeah, so if you can do that, I actually think you'd be able to change thousands of people's lives, which I think is worth people giving you shit every once in a while.
1: I think, I mean, this goes back to this. I have this conversation all the time, by the way, (laughs) because I think this is something I've observed just from like a founder perspective, like a woman founder perspective, is I always feel that the woman founder has to put her life on display as an extension of her brand. And you can follow all these men who started brands their instagram is private they they're not posting on a consistent basis you don't know who the fuck they are excuse my language but for women it's like a sh- it's a fucking show like it's a show it's like you have to act like a court jester so that people fuck with your brand they follow you they want to see your skincare routine I, i've never seen a man have to do this and so i like i it's something i've just observed from other founder friends like i see them doing this and i'm like why is it that women have to do all this shit just to have a brand and I get it, like you can inspire, like there's no shortage of DMs that I get that people reach out and say, holy shit, like what you're doing is amazing. Like I get it all the time. I actually screenshot all of them. And when I'm having a rough week, and as you know, I've had a rough week this week. Like I look at those, right? And like, I reflect on them and I have them in my, my album on my phone. Um, but I just feel like for women, for some reason, like it's, there's this extra onus on us to show up in this like bizarre social media persona. And I never see men have to do this. Like they can literally build like a multi million dollar company. You'll never know who the hell they are. It's true. And all these women are struggling to be like, oh, what should I do on TikTok? Which, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't want to do any of that. Like, like if you you see how boring my content is, right? Like, I post about like shows I watch, music I'm listening to, some random photo I took. Like, it's nothing super inspirational. And I think people fuck with that. Like, people like the comment. Like, I have wonderful DM conversations about shows we're watching. Like, people actually slide into the dms and actually have full-on conversations or say hey like thank you for sharing this book like i'm in the middle of a divorce and i'm starting to date and i'm having you know these issues with attachment styles or whatever so i'm having meaningful relationships develop and convos but i think i'm doing it on my own terms that's not quite the expectation i think people put on other women founders perhaps
0: that's a that's a crazy insight that is from my perspective after hearing it, I'm like, yeah, you're probably right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> about all the women that you follow and the, the extra step they have to go to, to sell their product or sell their service. Um, because that's what society has told them they have to do. And it sucks. Like, I feel that pressure too. And I have this conversation all the time with like our, you know, the folks who help me on the social media stuff and just like other founder friends. And I never see guys have to do this ever.
0: But I don't think they have to do it, but I do think that the guys who do do it, actually benefit from it because you know oh. pe- because pe- people invest in people people don't right. invest in they invest in people they want they want to know your story they want to they want to they want to be you they want it they want you know it's crazy like i've listened to enough podcasts these days where it's like you know the, the let's call them famous people as a bubble like when they go out to eat and stuff like that their followers actually think they're like best friends because of all the content they put out but to them they don't know who the fuck you are mm-hmm. but but they're best friends, apparently. Mm-hmm. And it's like such a weird relationship that people have online with like with founders or creators or, or whomever it is.
1: It's weird. But I, th- I mean, it's interesting because like one thing I do with Lilith is I actually for Queens when I was actually doing fulfillment myself, I would actually meet people in coffee shops if they wanted to try on a size. Right. Because I don't have a store. Right. So I w- they, And they would always buy, but they just want to try on the two pairs. When you meet these people, they're lovely. It's like meeting a new friend. Like, I love it. Like, I literally know all of my Queen's customers on a personal level. I follow them on Instagram. We DM all the time. Like, it's, it's all for me, it's not weird. And I'm an introvert. So, if an introvert is saying this, like, I don't mind it because I think, like, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I think, one, I think Queen's people just like innately just like automatically support each other and what we're doing. But it's just beautiful to find people who, like, truly see your vision and, and see what you're building and have an appreciation for it and want to support you. And at the end of the day, we're all kind of very similar in what our interests are. Like, the person who is attracted to Lilith, we all have very, like, interesting commonalities as creatives. So I think that's something that's beautiful that's kind of come about. I can see how it's creepy if people, like, you can't even have your own sit at dinner and have, you know, a quiet lunch or or, you know, conversation with someone. And someone's just, like, trying to get your attention. But... I don't know, for me, I found, like, amazing connections that all have happened um, as a function of having to operate in a scrap mode and um, and to just meet people
0: one-on-one. I didn't know that you did that, and that is a problem because the way I got really – for those watching on YouTube, I got yep. really giddy when you were talking about, oh, I've met people in coffee shops and brought two pairs and they tried them on and they buy them yep. eventually. The fact that you didn't pay some random schmuck out of college in Queens to come mm-hmm. record that – exchange and put it out as content blows my brain out of my fucking face that is like content that p- the world needs to see that you are bootstrapping meeting these people
1: so totally do do and that's about it and mm-hmm. i put it on instagram but
0: <laughs> but it would be like like i immediately think if i saw a, a, a founder or like going door to door selling their sneakers like that like it's that totally doesn't exist in.
1: like yeah i'm a salesman yeah
0: that doesn't exist that would be so beautiful
1: Maybe, yeah maybe I should do that <laughs> I mean now I, think, I can't because now my inventory sits in Brooklyn so
0: yeah I mean well, it's but, easy what um <laughs> I got so excited I was like this is you gotta do this <laughs> um, excuse me okay, what um at the past year you so you, you talked earlier about like you've switched manufacturing you got out of Asia uh the quality of the product has increased the, the leathers have increased the design has increased you got this new buckle for those. Who know me? I did put out a YouTube, separate YouTube video. Go watch the unboxing of the new uh, purple sunset colorway. Um, what has been the biggest struggle? Now that you have a better qu- uh, quality product, you have a better you know vendor relationship. It's closer to home, even mm-hmm. um, or or, bo- or plus side, it doesn't have to be negative. What is what has either been a, a, a positive or a negative that you found with the transition uh, and moving forward into the future with the brand?
1: So I think I learned a lot from last year in terms of like who is our consumer, right? So when I started the company, I was really building for the sneakerhead from every aspect, right? When you look, when you take a step back and look at it. So the first issue that sneakerheads, and I, must, I had identified as a, that sneakerhead persona, so I kind of very much knew where this person was coming from. Um, so size runs, right? Like that was a huge issue for our consumers. So really being adamant about having a large size runs. So we carry U.S. women's five to 14 and a half, all half sizes. So it's possible to do that. That was one thing I wanted to prove. Like, okay, well, big brands say they can't do it, but it is possible. Um, second thing was really indexing on high premium materials. So, like, making sure we had leather, nubuck, you know, pebbled leather, suede included in our products. Check, right, great. And then the third one was like building performance into lifestyle because I felt like performance tooling was always historically stripped out of women's footwear. Right, growing up, airbag was outside was not included in the midsole for women. And so I was like, okay, let's use Vibram Souls, right? You know that. And um, went ahead. So I was like, okay, great. The, the sneakerheads are going to completely fuck with this. We're addressing all of their concerns. We were at what I thought was premium price for a sneakerhead, right? 225 is kind of like what the higher end Jordans go for. So I was like, okay, let's, let's start there. And very quickly just realized that the sneakerhead women do not purchase. And that was such an interesting, and I had seated and I had done some gifting. I didn't do a lot because, obviously, I'm bootstrapped, but, like, really tried to focus on this woman's sneakerhead consumer because I'm like, you know, this is really addressing so many of the issues that they have been vocal about for the past decade plus. Um, and, unfortunately, just through the data, I found that this other consumer emerged, who I knew existed, but I just didn't think that this consumer was so ab- – like, kind of footwear or sneaker obsessed. And this is like the woman luxury consumer who literally buys one shoe and will come back for the other colorways. Like, kind of similar to what sneakerhead behavior is, what expect, expected behavior from a sneakerhead, but it was coming from a more luxury consumer who had higher disposable income, um, didn't question the price point realize how comfortable the shoes are right like i get messages that people walk seventy thousand steps in europe on their vacations and like they're so comfortable um and i get messages all the time like this and so just very quickly realized like our sneakerhead women just aren't purchasing and i was digging deeper into why that was and i think unfortunately in the u.s it's still hype driven right you see and i see these women right because i follow them on on their socials they are buying sneakers maybe 10 15 pairs a month okay they are buying dunks in every color aj ones in every color but they have not purchased a Lilith pair and that's their that's their prerogative that's fine but i thought that was so interesting right like so they're still chasing the large brands whether it's nike yeezy adidas in terms of like social cloud i suppose and, and kind of posting about that i found that male sneakerheads were quite supportive of us so people are always shocked to hear that males, males uh guys do purchase from us and um, they're super excited, I think, by the colors. I also think the male customers are just excited to support independent brands. I think they're more willing to experiment with in- independent brands, which we have historically seen, right? Like If you look at a men's collection, they'll have like things from brand black or clear weather and and they go outside of kind of some of these traditional, you know legacy brands. And then you have the woman luxury consumer who just simply wants something different, wants something unique, loves a bold color, can remix it with a maxi dress, can dress it down if she wants to. And I just find that that consumer, she exists in the U.S. for sure, but also like in Europe, right? Like if you look out, take a step back, move away from the U.S. where it's still so hype focused, like you go to Europe and Yeezys are still on the wall, right? No one really cares. People want something that's more unique, that has more storytelling. I think Lulith as a brand resonates more with like a European Asian consumer um, that's more focused on luxury premium. That is something that someone else doesn't have. Um, The visuals are very editorial. And I think that just vibes with that consumer base. And so for me, I had to like, I it took me so long, if you talk to Sarah and Valeria, like to reconcile with that. Cause I was like, why aren't the women's sneakerheads fucking with us? Like, what is happening? Like, I was really trying to solve for this. And they were like, it is what it is. Like, you know, it's fine. But like I felt this guilt because like I'm that woman's sneakerhead. Mm. I thought I was building for myself. And maybe one day they will come. Maybe there's like that inflection point just hasn't happened but i had to shift right like i'm just like well if that's the case my price point's going up right? right so going forward and i think now we're looking at wholesale as well with retailers so like the price point's 395 usd and i think that another friend i was with them at dinner and they were like 995 they were like you're too low
0: wow wow Folks, if uh, if you're listening to this and you go to a Little, I don't I don't know if you can buy it
1: it for now. Um, (laughs) We reopen in a few weeks. People will still be able to buy. I'm going to give people a grace period because I haven't announced the price change. I kind of hinted at it a few times. Um, People will have a a grace period to be able to purchase at the old pricing. But once the retailers receive their inventory, what we're switching over.
0: Um, Yeah, and and I just I want to say one. I think it's amazing that you follow what, what I really appreciate about you is you come from like a a, a data analytics side of things. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you're always following like the, the, the numbers and like you, you, you're like, OK, I gave this a very honest effort for two years. Yeah. And clearly it's not working. Mm-mm. Here's what we have to try and we have to right. move and we have to shift and we have to adapt. Right. And so many people get stuck in their ways and they're like, no, 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 they're going to beat this horse to fucking death.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You're like, no, fuck it let's, let's give it a ride and see no, how you gotta fail
1: fast. I always say fail fast.
0: So I think we're at a cool point. Like we first had you on a year and a half ago when you just launched the, the product out of China now it's the product out of Portugal. People listening to this, it's women's international month. Go support in a couple of weeks when, uh, Sarah reopens last chance at 225 before <laughs> we, we, we go off into premium Lux, which I'm very excited about, uh, to see what happens, uh, next. Um, Is there, uh, I've switched the uh, closing traditions on this podcast since you've previously came on, Sarah. One question that I I love to ask people is if there's one, two, three, a handful of humans who you want to give flowers to, um, who would you give them to uh, who have helped you along the way or that you just really admire from afar? Maybe you don't know them, but you love the way that they tackle things, they do things. Who's somebody that you would give uh, flowers to uh, that come to mind?
1: Okay, so I'm gonna do like three buckets.
0: Yeah. So you can get love some it.
1: extra names in. So I would say Sarah and Valeria because Lovely. they are so dope. They're our footwear designers. Um, just like everything that everything that we did in the past year, we've done so much, like all the different colorways. I know that I haven't teased them out, but we did a lot working on like uh high top silhouettes, working on some really cool fun projects on the side. So I would say those two for sure. Um, our factory partner. Uh can i say his name i don't know we'll say our factory partner for now
0: okay yeah yeah
1: and then um eric goldner who's my advisor who's been absolutely incredible um just always checking in always being super supportive um he's ex nike ex-columbia wolverine works in um, supply costing so super helpful from just like a cost perspective as we moved into portugal and looking at suppliers um And then I would say you and Neil, everyone in our little (laughs) group who literally like, you know, we're not going to talk about it this week, maybe in five years from now, we can have that conversation about stuff behind the scenes, but like how supportive you guys have been um, just showing up, knowing that I was going through it. So thank you to you guys. Um, Literally like Zach, everyone who was texting and DMing me, uh, you guys are incredible. I love you guys.
0: Yeah, no, and we love you back. I think it's, it's important. Like, honestly, if you're, if anybody's listening 30 minutes in to this, to this episode, Sarah's obviously come, come back on the podcast, grown a lot. The brand's transitioned. It's changed. I can guarantee the products a lot better. Like go support. Like everybody, like the, the the problem with people is not that like one, it's even a hurdle for people to just reshare on their Instagram stories for whatever reason these days, but let alone take that extra step and purchase and put your money where your mouth is. And it is great to have people around who do do that but also like there needs to be more of us. And so if you're listening and you don't know Sarah and you want to look into her story, please go do that. All the links will be below. Uh, go check her out, go check out Lilith.NYC. Um, because the products there, the stories there, the people behind the brand are there. You just have to now commit and execute against supporting those people. So please go do that. If there's any sort of call to action and subscribe you motherfuckers, because I know all you listened to this far and you, nobody subscribes and it pisses me off. So please go do that. Sarah, episode 83, I'm stoked to have you back. Thank you for sharing. This was honestly super cool because you gave a lot of insights into the actual business and yourself, and, like, you started the vulnerability path with us. So thank you very much. And there's uh, a lot of clip-worthy stuff in here, so I'm excited.
1: Oh, gosh. I'm worried about those little snippets you're going to start teasing out.
0: (laughs) Thank you for joining us again.
1: Thank you for having me. Take care.